Our world is trying to teach us that it doesn't matter how you live or what you believe in. Our world is trying to teach us that there is no God. Our world is trying to teach us that if there is a God, he can't be known. Our world is trying to teach us that if there is a God that can be known, that he'll forgive anything and we'll all go to heaven anyways. But the word doesn't teach those things. You're looking too far for that need you have inside. You're on a big merry-go-round and it's taking you for a ride. You've got to let go and let go. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Today we're picking up again in Ephesians chapter 5. This letter is to the church of Ephesus. This letter is to believers in Jesus Christ. And he spent the first three chapters dealing with what is coming in heaven's glory and all that we have already obtained as believers in Jesus Christ. And in chapters four through six, he gets very practical as to how we are to live as believers in the current world that we're in. And we are to put on the new man and to put on the new man, you have to, or woman, you have to put on Christ. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. We've been taught if there's a therefore, you have to look back to see what it is there for. And some of that includes putting off the old man, putting on the new But really, verse 32 possibly could have been the beginning of chapter 5, verse 1. And he said, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ also forgave you. Therefore, so as a result of God's work in our life through Christ Jesus, his forgiveness that he has given to us through faith in Jesus Christ, We are to be kind to one another. We are to be tenderhearted. We are to forgive one another. We are to be imitators or followers of God. The Greek word for imitators there, it's where we get our word mimic from, and it means to imitate, to follow after someone. It's used 11 times in the New Testament, and there's basically four different ways that This word is used. It's used of those that we are to imitate or follow those who follow Jesus. 
Now, years ago, and it goes way back to when I was in my 20s, but my dad would have an evangelist. He was rather young, just a few years older than me at the time. And one of his catchphrases was, get your eyes off of me and get them on Christ. Don't follow me, follow Christ. You know, it seemed like, yeah, that makes sense. Until I started reading around scripture for myself, where I find that Paul often would say, follow me as I follow Christ. And I think if I have my eyes upon Christ and if I'm following after Christ, then in the sense of teaching you how to walk as a believer, then I should be able to say, follow me as I follow Christ. Now he changes. He's flipping back, looking at the old life once again and beginning in verse 3, he says, but fornication and all uncleanness covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for the saints, neither filthiness or foolish talking or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. He lists off several things here that we're not to be doing as a church. He even says they're not fitting for us as saints. Fornication, in the Greek it means any unlawful sexual sin. It can go from prostitution to adultery to premarital sex, anything that is outside the bounds of acceptable sexual relations in Scripture, which is one woman, one man in the bounds of marriage. Anything else is fornication. Uncleanness. It, it speaks about an impurity that could be either physical, moral, spiritual, Covetousness, I think you guys know what that means, but it's this want of more and more, irregardless of what your need is. You don't need it, you just want it. Filthiness, uh, shamefulness, it's described as obscenity, uh, repulsiveness, a baseness. Foolish talking, I think we get the word moron from this Greek word, from part of it, because it begins with, a uh, very similar spelling of moron. One of the commentators said buffoonery, but a talk which is foolish and stupid, indecent, dirty. When I worked on the jobs, uh, they would go around. It would happen. And I would find Christians say, you know how it is on the job. And they talk about cussing. It's, it's around you all the time. I said, yeah, I know how it is. I also learned that I was able to set an example of how not to be that way. When I was a boss, at one point, there was this Playboy-like material put on one of the cut saws, and uh, I took it off, and I told the guy running that saw, I was a foreman, and I said, we're not going to have this on this job site. I just shut it down, trashed the thing. So it's not going to be here. So we can set the example. We don't have to make an excuse for it. Of course, jesting. This one is the one that stabs me a lot because it's talking about having a quick wit. But in Scripture, it's always referred to the negative. So somebody says something and you return it right back and you cut them down. Because you're quick at wit, you can take and turn a phrase and turn it right back on a person. It's always in the negative. Me and my cousin, Ken... We practiced on each other with this. We sharpened our wit for the negative. And then I find in Scripture we shouldn't be doing that. 
We never meant anything by it, but I've learned through the years that harm can come from it. And you can get so good at it that you can say something, you can hear something, they set themselves up, you chop them down, and you can hurt people with your words. These things, fornication, uncleanness, covetousness, filthiness, foolish talking, coarse jesting, are not fitting for believers. They're not even to be named among us, but sadly, here in the United States and the churches, all these things are named. And over the years of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa being in existence, all of these things, maybe not all at once, but they've all been named here. And it's not supposed to be. But we are all guilty of these things. Instead, we're to be in verse four, the very end of the verse, we're to be giving thanks Verse 5, for this you know that no fornicator, unclean person, or covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. We are to be a people who are giving thanks. It means to have a, a grateful language unto God. You have this just praise language. And I, I used to work with a guy that was Assemblies of God by his upbringing, and, and he was just... Man, he could break a finger and I think he would say praise the Lord over it, you know. And he just had a language back in the day when I was in my 20s. I was uncomfortable sometimes being around him. I love the fact now that I was able to hang out with him and see the example of having a thankful heart and praising in all situations and circumstances. The psalmist in 107.21, he he gives this plea. He says, oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Verse 22, let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. To me, the psalmist is saying, oh, that men would do this as if they were not doing it. And I think that also we get too much, too often caught up in the list of the negatives and we're not giving thanks. And if we're giving thanks, we'll discover that the negatives will go away. We want to be washed by the water of the word. We want the Lord to clean our lives. We need to stop focusing in on what the world thinks is in and what's vogue and what's the world is chasing after. And we need to be a thankful people willing to be followers of God, walking in love, becoming that sweet-smelling aroma to Jesus Christ. Psalm 105, 1, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon His name, make His deeds known among the people, sing to Him, sing psalms to Him, talk of His wondrous works, glory in His name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord, seek the Lord His strength, seek His face forevermore. Verse 2 of Psalm 105, it says, Sing to him, sing psalms to him, talk of his wondrous works. Do we do that? Do we sing psalms? I, I have this song that was sung at the Greg Laurie Crusade last year that I forgot about, but putting new music in for the radio station, I got a band that I like a little harder for some of you folks, but I like them. But they had the song that David Crowder Band sang at the Greg Laurie event, and it's Oh, How He Loves Us. And I have been singing that. I mean, 
I think Wednesday morning, every time I kind of roused up a little bit, I wasn't quite awake yet. I'd wake up and, oh, how he loves us so. I mean, it was just running through my mind. And I've been singing it for almost two weeks now. I like it. I like singing worship and praise. It makes me want to worship my Lord. And it takes my mind off of the things that I know I should not be doing because I've been putting my mind upon Christ. We're to sing of him. We're to sing psalms of him. We're to talk of his wondrous works. The guy I worked with years ago in my 20s, Johnny, what's the Lord been doing for you? I mean, he would ask me these questions. He would prod me to praise God and to bring praise to him. I had nobody who had ever done that with me before. But I think he was living this passage of Scripture. Hebrews 13, 15. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. So we don't offer literal sacrifices today. In the Old Testament, they did. There was a Thanksgiving offering that they would offer But today, it's the fruit of our lips. We give the sacrifice of praise to our God. And then he goes on giving thanks to God, verse 4, verse 5, for this you know, that no fornicator, it's a different word than fornication in verse 3. This one means a male prostitute, but it can include any unlawful sexual sin. No unclean person, and this Um, We've already read that, but uh, idolater refers to a worshiper of false gods. So this we know, no fornicator, no unclean person, no covetous man, no idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. In other words, you can't live the life of a non-believer and expect to go to heaven. The two do not mix. For this you know, or I might have written, you should know better. A true believer in Jesus Christ can't live the life of a fornicator, an unclean person, a covetous man, an idolater, a worshiper of false gods, and expect to receive the inheritance. This is what the Bible is saying. Inspect to receive the inheritance of the kingdom of Christ and God. John tells us in John 15, 9, Jesus speaking, says, If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. He reminds us that we're not part of the world, so why should we desire to live as the world? Paul reminds us in Ephesians 2, 19, Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself becoming the chief cornerstone. We are not of the world. That part of our life should not be in existence any longer, although at times we struggle in some of these areas. I believe it's not that we're sinless, as Christians, it's we've been forgiven. The key is, is that you don't allow the practice of these things to be part of your life. If anyone practices these things, John says in 1 John 
chapter 1. We can all fall, and we will all fall. And we shouldn't intently go after something saying, oh, you know, I'm just going to go for this. this I'll ask the Lord for forgive me and no big deal. He'll forgive me. He's a forgiving God. But in verse six, Paul follows it up by saying, let no one deceive you with empty words. That Greek word for empty words means a vessel that contains nothing. It's an empty vessel. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedient. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. God's wrath is coming upon the sons of disobedience because of the way that they are living. They are the fornicators. They are the unclean. They are the covetous. They are those who are filthy and foolish talking and coarse jesting. They are the unclean person, the idolaters. And they will have no inheritance with Christ or God. Therefore, we're not to be partakers of them. It should not be part of our lives. Empty words. Empty deceit. In Colossians 2a, beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ. Our world is teaching an entirely different message than that of the Word of God. Our world, although at times they want to agree with the Word of God or they, they want to try to include the Word of God, they live apart from the Word of God and the Word becomes a, a troubling stone to them. Jesus said, by this stone, some will be crushed. Our world is trying to teach us that it doesn't matter how you live or what you believe in. Our world is trying to teach us that there is no God. Our world is trying to teach us that if there is a God, he can't be known. Our world is trying to teach us that if there is a God that can be known, that he'll forgive anything and we'll all go to heaven anyways. But the word doesn't teach those things. And Paul says, let no one deceive you. Pastor Chuck said of this portion of scripture, and I'm just going to read what he had said. Let no one deceive you. Don't let anybody try to tell you, oh, well, you know, that's all right. God is full of grace. He is so forgiving and all, but you can live like you want and God will, you know, forgive you. He understands your weaknesses and so forth. And people are always trying to rationalize and justify their living after the flesh. But there is no biblical justification for it. If you are living after the flesh, don't be surprised if when Jesus comes, you are left. Don't be surprised if heaven's gates is closed to you. Don't say, I want to talk to Chuck because I'm warning you now from Scripture you're not going to make it. I won't have any influence to get you in either. But Pastor Chuck said, well, Chuck is saying, I didn't say that. But there are those pastors who are saying it and their people are listening. And Paul says, you're not going to inherit. Don't be partakers with them. 
I'm going to close in verse 8, but I'm going to start in verse 8 next week. But I wanted to include this verse for us today. And we'll look at it again next week. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. Once darkness. That list of negatives here, fornication, uncleanness, covetousness, filthiness, foolish talking, coarse jesting, idolaters. That's what we used to be. Or parts of it, not everything, of course. And there's more that could have been the used to. Maybe some of the things that we used to be hasn't appeared on this list today. But verse 8 tells us we were once in darkness, but now you are in light. Walk as children of the light. We have a responsibility as believers to walk as children of the light. In doing so, we become this aroma of life leading to life or the aroma of death leading to death. In doing so, we become this witness, this testimony. Jesus said in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world, and he who follows after me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. John 12, 46, I have come as the light of the world, that whoever believes in me shall not abide in darkness. Faith in Jesus Christ should pull us out of the darkness of the world, that we are walking in the light of Jesus Christ, walking in his light, that we're different than the rest of the world, that they may look at us. And one of my own brother-in-law said, I always thought you were a jerk. He thought I was a jerk because I had faith in Jesus Christ. I was the aroma of death to him because I didn't live like he lived his life. And sadly, his life ended in a drug overdose. There's consequences, people. And we need to be serious about the call that God has placed on our lives and the privilege that God has given us to be called his own children. Walking after the things of the world, Paul says, it's not fitting for believers. Walking after the things of the world, it's not even to be named among the churches. We are to be imitators of God, walking in agape love of Christ, having a thankful heart, offering our lives as a living sacrifice to God as a sweet-smelling aroma. We are to be walking as children of the light so that the world might see our light, according to Matthew 5.14. See our life so shine before men that they see our good works and they glorify our Father in heaven. See, we walk as Jesus walked, not because we want to receive glory for doing so, but we want God to be glorified because of the work that he has done and is doing. Hey, we're all a story being written right now. The chapter's not over yet. And there could be several more chapters to go. And to know that you have Christ should be written in every single chapter of our life. Maybe it wasn't in the beginning. It made me think of writing books and chapters and some of the Calvary pastors like Raul Reese and his book From Fury to Freedom. I always reverse that. When I say it usually, but I did it right today. His life apart from Christ and then his life once he became saved. And the story of that. 
Um, there was a book, not Calvary, but years ago called Crossing the Switchblade and talking about someone who came from the lives of gains into faith in Jesus Christ. And, and there's this work that God can do. He's, he's the story of our lives. I've always liked the fact of we think about our past life, we think of history and someone saying that it's his story. If you divide the word history, it's all about Christ. Christ wanting to live in us, Christ wanting to live through us. And we've been called this day to be followers of God, to walk in love, to be this offering and sacrifice to God, this sweet-smelling aroma, to be a people that give thanks with the fruit of our lips, to not partake in the darkness of the world, but to be children of the light, because we are light in the Lord. Father, thank you for your word, and we ask that you would work in the midst of this fellowship this day through your Holy Spirit, Lord, that your word would penetrate into our hearts. Lord, work in our midst, I pray, this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into his image by the power of his Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.